and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I am here with Nick Villaney coming to you after um, a pretty sucky Conti Cup final um, that Nick was lucky enough to see in person, as was I. Uh, Nick, how are you doing? Uh, well, yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> uh, the trip has been fantastic, obviously, as, as most listeners will know. Uh, the crew plus 20 of our, our new friends are over in London right now. And uh, yeah, many of us came over to to watch the uh, the abomination at, at Selhurst Park, as it will now be known. Uh, not not a fantastic match to watch, but I think a really cool experience for for a lot of the crew who had never been to a, a Chelsea women's match before and to kind of take in what was a, a relatively packed uh, venue for a, for a final, which is is really cool. So uh, yeah, I'm, all the bad stuff we will talk about, but overall, it was a cool experience for uh, for the crew to go to, even if Sellers Park is still shit. Yeah, uh, I don't know if anyone would have put money on you seeing a Chelsea men's win and a Chelsea women's loss on the weekend, but hey ho, that's that's how how it's gone. Uh, Harry Edwards tweeting: Chelsea men's last two wins have coincided with Chelsea women failing to beat Arsenal. This is on Graham Potter. I have to agree. <laughs> if in oh, doubt, Potter out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm starting to feel like this competition is a bit cursed. This is our second consecutive 3-1 loss in the final. Um, the year before, we when we last won, Marimelda did her knee. The year before that, it was the like it basically caused COVID-19 because it was the last football match that was played. Um, Nick, shall we just cancel this competition? I'm fine if we don't enter it next year. Yes, that that would be I'd be totally fine. Although. I believe that uh, that one Emma Hayes will want to uh, to run it back pretty quickly after yesterday. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I thought was going to happen yesterday after Man City, but um, hey ho, yeah, a pretty a pretty rubbish day and three word match reviews, kind of reflecting that. Um, DJ Fancy coming with peak too early. Janique going started then stopped. Clayton never turned up up the trail saying Emma outmanaged. Damian Marshall though with a positive spin that I had to include three trophies left. So there we go. You know, Arsenal were basically playing for the only trophy they had still going for them. And we've got a lot more to come. Uh Nick, what was your three word match review? We lost in in person question. We have, we've never lost when I've been in person uh, at these matches before. <sighs> so uh wow, the run's is... over. Yeah, that's a pretty terrible place to place to be. I thought we would carry the good vibes all the way through. And like you said, if you would have predicted a, a Chelsea men's win and a Chelsea women's loss, I would have thought you were uh, in the upside down. But uh, but apparently that's where we are right now. So weird times. Yeah, um, I went with Conti Cup curse for reasons I have already set, set out. I am fed up with this competition even though i've defended it so vociferously in the past i don't know why it doesn't deserve my love or loyalty um but yes for anyone who was living under a rock we did play arsenal yesterday sunday the 5th of march in the continental tires league cup final at selhurst park i knew it was all going to go horribly wrong when i walked in just to gigantic images of ian wright there obviously a bit of a uh, palace legend but uh, an even bigger arsenal legend so that was i feel like it was a biased venue choice to be honest so we need to rectify that next year uh arsenal running out 3-1 win- winners despite uh us taking the early lead sam kerr scoring after just two minutes uh three first half goals from Steen blacksenius a kim little penalty and a neve charles own goal left this one way out of our reach uh unfortunately nick uh as soon as i saw you afterwards in the pub like the first thing you said was 
as soon as you saw that the lineup was the same as the FA Cup, you you had bad vibes, right? Because we just played exactly the same setup as we did the week before. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you, you made the point back to me that this is the third match against Arsenal and as many weeks, it feels like, even though, you know, three matches over six weeks, essentially. And so with that many, you know, attempts for them to read our system, like you would have anticipated something a little bit different. But uh, but yeah, Emma rolled out AKB in goal, Paraset, Bright, Erickson, and Charles uh, as the back line. Sophie Ingle and Aaron Cuthbert in the midfield. Lauren James, uh, Shankovich, and Guru Wrighton. It's kind of your attacking midfield trio. And then, of course, the indomitable Sam Kerr up top. But, you know, I, I was very surprised, I don't know about you, to see that there was no uh, no change, no sort of system or format change for, for what this uh, game was going to be because they, they just had a chance to see this last week and I think we both agree that we didn't even play that well uh, against them in, in the in the FA Cup uh fourth round or whatever so fifth round so that that's kind of where my my brain is at on that yeah for me there were two obvious changes that I think needed to be made after that FA Cup game the first was to bring Kadisha Buchanan in to have someone to cover the space in behind which Arsenal had ex- managed to exploit in the FA Cup game and the other was to swap out Neve Charles for someone else because it has been quite clear that she's not currently at the level to deal with the what demands of 1v1 defending against players of the quality of Caitlin Ford and Katie McCabe and neither of those things happened um, and it wasn't I felt like it was going to be a tough day defensively uh, when I saw that lineup, and and so it kind of proved, you know, at the moment in an attacking sense, we're actually not blessed with that many players to swap in or out, and I think maybe we saw that later in the game as well, like how hard that was to to maybe find something off the bench, you know. Uh, I've said before that I'm fed up with hearing all about Beth Mead and Viviana Miedemar when we're missing Frank Kirby and Penilla Harder, because I'm not being funny; those two players, I think, are both better anyway so uh, they were two players that I thought we really missed but yeah I just you know Arsenal didn't really change much um they brought in Noel Maritz instead of Laura Veen Reuter and early on I thought that looked like a massive mistake because Guru Wrighton just had her for pace um but obviously in the end it didn't it didn't really matter and it just felt like you know Arsenal had had two decent performances against us in yeah recent weeks they hadn't come away with a win from either of them but it it didn't really surprise me that they were able to build on those in a way that that we just couldn't deal with. Um, a lot of subs from us as well. We'll we'll talk in a bit more detail about kind of the decision making around that and how it affected the game. But Melly Loipoltz, Jesse Fleming, Johanna Rittin-Kanarid, and Kadisha Buchanan all coming on for us at various points in the game. Um, stats wise, I mean. <laughs> The game looks a lot more even than it felt watching. Uh, Arsenal had eight shots to our 14, four on target to our five. It totally even possession. They had a slightly higher pass accuracy than us, but 72% for them, 66%, which I think tells you how bitty and fragmented and kind of aggressive this game got. It it was very, very scrappy. Obviously playing on a Premier League pitch, you know, Sellers Park isn't the biggest pitch in the world, but there felt like there was a lot more space to cover you know, in this one. And I think that led to some not so uh, subtle fouls uh, across the whole match. I mean, it was, uh, it was kind of a shit show out there from a, from a hard fouls perspective. You know, it's what you would expect with these two teams, frankly, but 
you know, even those in our group who had never seen, you know, women's match live before were like, wow, they were really flying into those. And I was like, yeah, pretty much like that's how that goes. Um, but yeah, it was, it, the, the pass accuracy was, was tough for both teams. I mean, you know, you look at the whole landscape of the match, Jesse, and, and then I know we'll get into the specifics here, but Chelsea go up early. You think, oh, okay, well, look, we're starting off well again. Like maybe we can ride this out. And then Arsenal just grew into the game after that. They really started to take control of the midfield. And after, you know, you, you play two halves of football, they deserve to win on the day. I think they had a better tactical setup. I think their player performances were better. And, you know, I don't think that Chelsea came anywhere near their A stuff to to try and uh, win a, a cup final, which is is not what we are used to as as Chelsea supporters, given all the domestic trophy success that that we've had. So it's it was a bit odd to kind of see that reversed on us a little bit. Um, but I don't think either team played, you know, the best match of their season. If I'm going to put it out like that, yeah, I mean. I totally agree. I think Arsenal were deserved winners, and I wouldn't argue that. But one of my friends, who's actually a City fan, so you know it's not like they're biased particularly either way. It was like pointed out that still two of Arsenal's goals came from set pieces, and neither of which, you know, obviously the penalties are. Uh, Kim Little's a fantastic penalty taker, but the corner that's that's our fuck up. Not like yep. they didn't do anything for that. So even then, you're like, and then even their first goal, it's like, well, Magda Eriksson's kind of unlucky to to back heel the ball right into Laxinius's yeah. path. So, you know, I I think Arsenal deserve to win because of how on top of us they were. And if you're on top of a team like that, you force them into mistakes, which is what we saw. But yeah, I think you're totally right that I would be cautious about giving Arsenal too much credit in terms of this attacking performance because there were lots of things that, that kind of went our way and, and that went their way and there were equally things that could have gone our way and and just didn't. And, you know, you have to look at the tactics, you have to look at the mentality, but I think also it's important in these kind of situations to be able to take the step back and say, you know, sometimes that is just the way they way football goes. And sometimes we benefited from that and sometimes Arsenal will benefit from that. Yeah, I would agree. Like Chelsea have, I don't think played their best football in month, month and a half. You know, I don't, I don't think it's been tremendously sexy stuff on on the football in front for Chelsea. You know, I think they've done enough in recent weeks to get over the line. But this is a cup final. You know, like a cup final demands that you have one of your better performances of the season to win. And that's not what we saw yesterday. I don't think we we came anywhere close. I think that was a D-plus performance from everybody, um, management included, to, to get ready for that one. And yeah, I know it, it was it was disappointing being there. It was disappointing having sad drinks in the pub with you instead of happy drinks, right? Um, because last year was so much fun uh, to do that after the league and, and FA Cup uh, double. But uh it's hard to argue that Chelsea deserved to win this one in any way. It was it was pretty tough. Yeah, um, we'll uh, take a little ad break here. So, and then when we come back, thanks for supporting the show. When we come back, we'll we'll dig into a bit more of of why we feel like Chelsea didn't really deserve to win. So, I think the conclusion that I came to Nick is that really we were outmanaged. Um, I don't necessarily mean to say that means everything's on Emma Hayes as much as I think Jonas Eidevel did a good job, which I 
feel sick to say. Did you open your mouth a little bit there? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, we took the early lead. It's great. But, you know, within the kind of after the first 10, 15 minutes, it was very clear that Arsenal were just on top both in terms of how much they were up for it, going in for those 50-50s, but also that they they had tactically figured out how to shut down Lauren James, how to, you know, pretty well keep Sam Kerr quiet, other than that, obviously, first chance, um, and also just to exploit us all over the pitch. Yeah, I mean, I, I really look at... There are two contributing factors. One the midfield was a complete and utter shit show on our side. And I think was their strength yesterday. I mean, I think they pressed and closed down space incredibly well. So I, I have to give them credit with that. They were clearly the more aggressive team. We were clearly the more passive team uh, in that match. And, and certainly we didn't figure out a way uh, to get Lauren James free uh, to do what she does. Uh, second point is that the referee did not help uh, either team in this situation by allowing chippy fouls to go unpunished and uh, not carding what were incredibly obvious cards from both teams and whatever. Lots of bad shit. This is not on the referee, but it just made it really hard to get a foothold in the game, I think, because Arsenal were intentionally breaking up play with fouls. I mean, that was there. It was pretty obvious who they were targeting in this one, right? It was Lauren because Lauren had bossed them essentially the last two times that they played. And so without that, Chelsea really struggled to pass through the midfield at all. I mean, it was shambles there. And then once they did get it into the midfield, our our front four essentially were not having any luck getting in behind at all. Um, You know, grow, I think, outside of the first, you know, kind of passage of play did not necessarily impressed yesterday sam was double or triple teamed at times once they had hacked lauren they would close in on sam uh with two or three people and then yeah i mean we'll, we'll talk about bringing out shankovich for uh kind of a different tactical setup here in a second but shankovich was basically not able to get into the game i mean if, if we're just being honest about it so you know it's hard to score goals or have any sort of foothold possession wise in the game when you can't pass the ball forward and that basically the whole game was an exercise in passing back to Millie Bright or to Magda Erickson to pass back to goal and then pass, you know, out wide again, get closed down. It was a uh, kind of, uh, kind of disappointing to see. Yeah. I mean, Chankovic was just completely anonymous, but yeah, the refereeing was, <sighs> I think you're totally right to say the refereeing was bad for both, for both sides. Um, I almost had a fight with an Arsenal fan in front of me because there was a foul Steph Catley did in Lauren James that I just did not understand how it wasn't a yellow card. And then this Arsenal fan was turning around and being like, that's not a yellow. And I was like, are you high? Like, you can't just take someone's legs out. Like, that's not, like, that's not what you're, that's not just like a coming together or an accident. Equally, Katie McCabe going in on AKB. Like, I know those things just get given as yellow cards, but for me, it's it's something that drives me mad because I just think anywhere else on the pitch, you're not allowed to go into a player like that. And I don't understand why you can take a goalkeeper out because you're running through on goal. Like, whatever. And then that, in that position too, AKB's reaching up for the ball, right? Has every right to go for it. So, so is McCabe, right? So it's a, it's a fair thing to go into, but AKB's up like this. She gets hit square in the ribs from an on-rushing and certainly not bothered 
uh, McCabe, right, who goes down clutching her head like she had just been run over herself. It, it was brutal to see, and and that that does happen. But then the fact that she got up and was bitching and moaning at the referee for calling a foul and actually giving a card, I was like, "Are you out of your mind? <laughs> like that? You cannot do that. Like every foul on a goalkeeper is called these days. You know that." Yeah, I felt like the whole game we really got McCabe. Like there was one occasion where she went down, and I think it was like one where. Um, they were worried about a head injury and it'd been her against Magda and I was like right by it and like literally she didn't get touched. Like I could see it like right in front of me and I was just like, but again, Kay McCabe's the kind of player who when she's on your team and she's housing like that is amazing and it's the most frustrating thing in the world. Um, yeah, but I feel like, I definitely think in terms of, I think we saw a lot of Lauren's naivety today maybe, but I also yeah. felt like I found it hard to actually blame her because I felt like we didn't do enough to deal with or to like make the most of what Arsenal were doing. So case in point was like Leah Volti was all over Lauren and I thought Leah Volti had a very good game. Like she she made some really strong tackles on Lauren, but that meant that she was moving up and across the pitch and there was like space, like loads of space in the midfield. And I don't understand how we couldn't, find and make use of that space you know obviously you do have like Rafaeli stepping up and things like that but I think we also saw early on that Rafaeli and Leah didn't look very comfortable anyway and that was one of the things that was really frustrating I think about how anonymous Trankovic was which I don't really understand what happened it was because I was like there should have been loads of space for her but it was like we couldn't figure out how to and I think that's a bit of like James's ball hogging which I think is just like something that she needs to get better at but like to be able to move quicker with the ball and have a plan for like what's happening or make a plan during the game being like oh we've seen a player being marked like this you know how can we exploit that because there was there was more room on the pitch Nick as a result of what they were choosing to do yeah I I think when you said naivete that's kind of how it felt Uh, because Chelsea were struggling Lauren James tried to play Superman yesterday and tried to dribble every other player on the pitch. And all that did was clump the Arsenal players around her. The ball would turn over. Then they'd have a mismatch on, on that side of things, on, on you know, heading down our, 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 uh, our right-hand side. And it caused us all sorts of problems. Um, the amount of available cutback passes there were to Arsenal players in the box was unacceptable. And I think that was just largely because Chelsea felt unbalanced the entire game. Um, we had a really hard time keeping width. Uh, the team would get super clumped together because they were having trouble finding passes. So the natural instinct is to get closer so that you can have an easier outlet for those passes. And then once you lose it, you're fucked. I mean, you're completely – because they, they had kept really good width. And I think this is a tactical change from the other week is that out of all – manage this much better than he had previously. We we had kind of joked in our previous Arsenal match review that they had all the space down uh, the flanks that they wanted, you know, in, in the FA Cup game. They just didn't do anything with it. Well, that changed. Uh, they, they kept the width in this one, and they certainly gave both fullbacks a lot of trouble, um, which meant that our center backs, even when Kadisha came in, we played 
four different tactical formations to try and figure out something in this match, which tells you he didn't get it right from the beginning, that even when we had three in the back and our wingbacks were wider, we were still getting mismatches. And it just felt like, to me, every space that we wanted to pass into, there was an Arsenal player there. And that means that they worked harder setting up their team than we did. I don't know how else to put it. And that's a rare thing for us to say on the show. Yeah, and, and that kind of leads us on nicely because I want to talk about Emma Hayes' comments. Um, Hayes went in very hard on the players, which I personally think is a joke because I think this is as much on her as on anyone else. But um, just some of the comments... Hayes, I don't think anybody in our team played well today. Congratulations to Arsenal. They were by far the better team. Um, I don't think our team looked anywhere near the side I know. Um, the basics, the amount of 1v1 duels, first and second situations, Arsenal dominated today. That is what I'm most disappointed with. Um, maybe the third goal killed the game off, but for me that was not the defining moment. Sometimes losing games like this serves as a reminder of all the work you have to do if you want to stay on top. Look, Nick, I, I understand why Hayes wants to use this as an opportunity to boot the players up the arse because I think, you know, to an extent she's right. Like, Jonas Eideval said after the game that it was like the best performance Kim Little had had under him. And I would agree, it was the best I'd seen her play in a very, very long time. I thought Leah Volti looked like a different player uh, than she had the week before. Kate McCabe and Caitlin Ford also like turned into, I don't know, peak wingers when they're normally kind of average to good I would say so there is obviously clearly an extent where I think Arsenal players were up for it and found extra levels to their performance but it seems incredible I think as the manager to to not want to kind of take any responsibility for for that performance given all the kind of tactical stuff that we've just discussed yeah I mean I I think this is a uh it's a disappointing maybe predictable bit of comment you know from Emma I think our first instinct in the stands and on our first instinct when we talked to each other yesterday is that she didn't set the team up well enough. Uh, tactically, she rolled out the same plan, expecting it to work and not expecting any sort of adjustments from a guy who has not beaten her except the one time. Right. And that is, you know, if you don't think Idabel wants this more than anything in the world, you're out of your fucking mind. Of course he does, you know? And, and so I think there was some naivete from her too, um, here, the whole team, you know, and, and this goes back to the way that people were talking about this match beforehand, because we have had such a good run against Arsenal, both in the league and in the cups and everything. If, you know, a lot of people were talking about this match, like it was a foregone conclusion. I felt like that's how the players approached it. And that's how the management staff approached it. It can't you, you you cannot fucking do that. You can't do that. They get paid too, man. There, there's that's a that's a big phrase that we have in America. Is like the other team gets paid, man. They they want to do this too. Like they want to win too, and especially against the team that they have not had any success against in in recent years, except for the one time in the league, right? When we were missing a whole bunch of players and they got an offside goal to win, right? So yeah, if you don't think. If you don't think that they were hungrier, you're, I think you're lying to yourself. And I think that is a moment as a coach where I would have said, you know what, guys, scrap everything else. That's on me. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to be the one to get us set up better, even if in the background you're absolutely lighting a fire underneath them. I don't think today was the day personally 
to throw the players out there as sacrificial lambs. Yeah, I I agree. And I think broadly, you know, Emma Hayes is a very good player manager. I think everyone knows that um, that's where her talents truly, truly lie. I mean, I also think people over egg the, her tactical naivety. I think it's fair to say she's never going to be the most tactical manager in the world. But I think you're you're being silly if you think you win as much as she does with having no idea what she's doing when it comes to that kind of stuff. But yeah, this one was like a big miss for me in terms of um, the attitude from her. I, I mean, look, the proof will be in the pudding, right? We've got a lot of games coming up. We'll see if 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 it is what the players need to respond. You know. It's not the first time she's thrown the players under the bus. I'm sure it won't be the last. And, and maybe she feels like that is what they need. Um, I'm sure it doesn't help right now as well that I feel like she doesn't think there's as much com- competition within this team as maybe there has been in the past due to injuries. You know, like the team kind of did pick itself. And it's very rare that, that we say that. Um, so, you know, maybe there's there's that element of things there. She's She's looking for different ways to motivate players because... She can't just drop them. She can't just replace them right now. Um, She kind of has to work with them. But uh, we'll take another quick ad break here. And then when we come back, I want to chat a bit more about Hayes' reaction in-game and and how maybe that affected uh, the second half in particular. So for me, Nick, the the game was kind of killed off with the Neve Charles' own goal. Um, I think at 2-1, I felt like we could get back into it at 3-1 just before half time i was like fuck this i want to go home um i didn't but i wanted to <laughs> i never normally bother to dr- uh, have a beer at half time because i can't drink a pint like in 15 minutes normally i drank a pint in 15 <laughs> 15 minutes Ooh. of this game um because i was like fuck this um but even before that goal we'd already seen a substitute so buchanan came on in in the 38 minute 38th minute switching us to the back 3 Perisic moved into midfield, Cuthbert went further up, James went kind of further up as well, uh, Chankovic came off, and you know, we we said that we felt Chankovic was kind of anonymous in those first 38 minutes, but my immediate reaction was like, this feels like a waste of a player to take off, because you don't have anyone else like her to bring on later in the game, like, this is there is no other 10, I mean, obviously Aaron moved up there, but there's no Kirby, there's no harder, like, this is the only profile of this player you have and you're like getting rid of it even before halftime. Yeah. I, I was very surprised by who came off because I thought Neve was the obvious candidate at that point to, to come off and make a switch, right? You already kind of had Eve and uh, Guro, who of course you want to get Guro as far up the field as possible, but it simply was not working out with Neve Charles yesterday. It was a you know tough day at the office for Neve. Um, so I, I was kind of looking at this like, surely Neve will come off. We'll go to a back three stroke five, right? And begin to make some inroads down the flanks and keep the width in the team. And then with Buchanan back there, like you said earlier, you have someone who uh, is fast enough to cover any sort of runs in behind and, and you know, frankly did quite a bit in the second half uh, do that. But, uh, you know, then it allows the midfield to get a little bit more control in the game. And then you have a number 10 in Shankovich who maybe sees a little bit more of the ball, maybe starts to find those little, uh, you know, passes in behind to Sam Kerr, who made the run every single time that it was available to her yesterday, just never got the ball in, in space to do anything. So, um, yeah, it was a puzzling one. And I think more so was kind of an indication to me, Jesse, that, 
the team was set up wrong. Um, you know, to, to make a sub in the 38th minute tells me that you realized in the 15th minute that you fucked up and, you know, it's a, it's a really hard professional thing to come off after 38 minutes when I don't think you, you Shankovich have done anything necessarily wrong in the game. Yeah. It's not necessarily Shankovich's fault if she can't get the ball, if, Chelsea's defense and midfield can't progress the ball beyond the halfway line and you're the number 10 like that's not her issue I mean I was chatting to my brother about half time to my brother at half time about this and he was kind of saying he felt like it was a get your acts together type move and I don't have a problem with a manager making a first half sub like because if it is the situation like what you just said Nick where you've realized you fucked up don't waste time like, you fucked up. Like, what's the point? My problem, I think, came with, yeah, the player who went and the fact that this was not the last shift that we saw. This wasn't the fix, right? And I, I find this really frustrating because I think it's a very human thing to be like, oh, shit, I got something wrong. And in that moment, to not trust yourself. And so the, the the solution you come up with, you then don't trust that solution. So you're coming up with more and more solutions. And I think that's what we saw. You do the snowball that turns into the avalanche, right? Like one little thing can become a really big thing very, very quickly. Like that's kind of how it felt to me yesterday. Like fix this thing, fix this thing, fix this thing. And then it's like, by the time you do all that, you don't really have the setup that you want at all. Right. And not only that, to me, it like, it also tells the opposition that you don't you don't really know what you're doing you don't really know how to fix it you don't have a plan b which i feel like what again is so frustrating and look it is a unique situation i think to have played arsenal so many times in such a short space of time like but i do think part of chelsea's success has kind of come over the years from shock factor you know like you roll over teams because you go at them hard and you go at them fast and you do something different maybe it's personnel change maybe it's tactical and therefore, if you are playing a team a load of times, it's harder, obviously going to be harder for you to do that. You are relying more on those individual battles because you don't have the surprise element. They know everything about you because they've had a huge amount of minutes to play against you. And I think that happened here. But equally, like, you're Emma Hayes. You should know that that's happened. And, and you need the plan B because, again, if Arsenal had done something totally different and blown us away, I'd have been like, oh shit, like, fair play. But they didn't do anything different from what they had already been doing. They just did it at a higher level. And that's what's so frustrating, that there was no plan B, because I just feel like you must have had an inkling that, that this was a risk. And, you know, then when we're seeing Loipots come on at half-time, okay, great, take Charles off, I think that needed to happen. But... Uh, You've given your players 10 minutes of this, like, new formation, then you've had a 15-minute break, and now you're back on doing something else. Like, if you felt like Leupolz was what was needed in the midfield, maybe you bring Leupolz on earlier. Like, it it was just so, like, bam, 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 bam. Just as we're getting into our rhythm again in the 60th minute, Cameron's on for Ingle. So that's, like, our fourth midfield we've tried in about 20 minutes of football. Yeah, and there's no... It's hard enough to build cohesion and... and from the 60th minute to the end of the game, right? It, it, it's much harder to try it five times in, in what essentially was 45 minutes. Um, and I, I, this is, if I'm honest, I'll take a step back here. Like this, I've been hard on Emma, which I'm I'm not usually on the show because she just does an incredible job, right? 
this is where I kind of feel for managers a little bit because in the stands, all we were saying is, this isn't working. This isn't working. This isn't working. So she makes the change, right? And then it still doesn't work. And then it still doesn't work. And then it still doesn't work. And it's like kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't in that situation because you just didn't get it right from the start, right? And I think that was, it felt panicked. It felt unsure. And it felt like, let's throw this thing at them and see if it, if we can finally break them down. And the, the real problem that they were trying to solve for was the fact that our midfield could not find adequate space to make the final pass yesterday. I mean, that is really the end of the ball game. Like it was so very clear that they had packed the midfield to not allow for that nice ball over the top or to, you know, whatever, because when, when we eventually did get that, there was space. Right. I mean, Sam did did find some space at the end of the game where she would just point and the ball would get there and then she'd have a one on one scenario and be able to pass the ball. And like they were vulnerable there. They just didn't allow that to happen very often. And we never figured out a way to go around the wall. We just kept hitting the the wall straight on. Yeah. And, and I agree. And it's easy after things don't go right to say, like, ugh. They they tried to do too much, and I'd always prefer. That's what like what I said about the the first sub substitute. I'd always prefer to see a manager go in and change stuff early on because like there's nothing worse I think than than seeing a team that's obviously not working and someone just like hope that it comes good. Um, and there's plenty of examples where Emma Hayes has made subs and it has changed the game. You know, you only have to look at Perisic and Chankovic coming on against Arsenal at the Emirates to basically salvage just the point. Um, you know, the same player who she was t- yanking after 38 minutes. So I think it I think it was an unnecessary level of kind of tinkering from Emma, but I don't think she was helped by the fact that the team clearly panicked way more than they needed to at 2-1. Um, because Arsenal didn't panic when they went 1-0 down after yep. 90 seconds. And they had reason to because of our record against them. They right. just knew what they were going to do. And I think that that panic from the players, that is where I will give Emma credit. Like, clearly she felt like she had to do something to to try and stop them freaking out. And, you know, these are professionals who've won so much stuff. Like, they shouldn't be freaking out in that scenario. Yeah. The mentality shift was very odd, right? You would have thought that Chelsea, after not having played extraordinarily well against this team, but getting a couple of results recently would have been flying after that first goal. But we went into our our shell and Arsenal came out like they had just scored the first goal. Um and I don't understand why that happens. I am not a an uh, a professional athlete, so I'll never understand, you know, the the little nuances that happen in games and, and I don't pretend to. But it just seemed very strange from a team of mentality monsters that we know Chelsea women's team are to kind of shrink from the challenge a little bit. And there were moments in the second half where we got back in the game where I think we had some decent possession where we did challenge. We had a few shots on target, you know, ended up with more than they did, frankly. Um, but it never felt like they were going to come back either. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a tough place to be. It, you know, Emma's blood was probably boiling. The player's blood was probably boiling. I know we in the stands were extremely disappointed in what we were seeing. So I think it's one of the worst matches I've ever seen the Chelsea women play. But, it it just is an oddity that their mentality was better in this one. And 
I think, you know, that flows into what comes next, right? Because I think in years past, Jesse, you've looked at this like a kind of a crucial moment in the season, right? It's, it's March, you know, from basically from now on is winning time, right? Whether it's the league, whether it's the champions league, whether it's the FA cup and, you know, first test kind of failed and actually not kind of failed, really failed. Yeah. And I guess the positive to take is that I feel like we've made having a kind of annual or biannual meltdown part of the the feature of Chelsea season. And generally, we've kind of bounced back fine. You know, like, obviously, we did exactly this against City, and it was okay. Um, You know, we've capitulated to Wolfsburg, to Barcelona. Um, But... There's a lot of games, and this is about to be the craziest month that this football club has ever had, and it's kind of a different, a different task, you know. Like we have to play United in six days' time, basically for like the top of the table clash. You know, if we lose that, like the picture of the league changes immediately. Even before that, we've got to have play Brighton at home. So you know, we have literally three days to pick ourselves up. And go again. And look, I prefer to play Brighton ahead of United rather than going straight into United because I do think they're shit right now. But it's still a, it's still a banana skin. Like you can still slip on that, even if it is at Kings Meadow. Brighton were the last team to beat us at Kings Meadow. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I think this is a this is one of those critical moments. Right. You can either wallow in self pity, feel like the team is split up feel like Emma was too mean in the post-match press conference or dust yourself off. You realize that this team is made up of serial fucking winners. I mean, many of them have won multiple trophies in the last year, let alone in their careers. Uh, And try something different, right? Because right now the team has slipped into a little bit of lull and comfort they are good enough on a bad day to beat many teams but we haven't seen them play a plus stuff very often this season if we're being honest and we need a plus stuff now so how how are you gonna change how are you as as a professional gonna change that's both management and playing staff and how is this team going to set up to win and be dynamic and you know, I, I think this team will figure out a way to do it because they have done it. Like all the body of evidence that we have, Jesse, supports this team trying something new from a from a tactical perspective, trying new personnel when available, and figuring out what the right balance and rhythm is because they're going to play the most games that they've ever played in this short amount of time. So they're going to need to change some shit up, right? We know that not all personnel is suited to one formation, and we know that not all personnel has the same skill set as the as the person they would be replacing. So this is really going to be a challenge for everybody. And it's going to be a real challenge for Emma. She's going to have to get this right. And, you know, again, all body of evidence that we have supports her getting it right. Yeah, it's true. And I think, you know, there are teensy positives. Like I thought when Melly Leupold's came on that, yes, she definitely looked a bit rough around the edges, but 
it was a reminder of what a different player she is to any of the other midfielders we have. So I think that's a big boost. I think the fact that Eve Perisette went into midfield even for seven minutes of football was interesting and is something that I would like to see considered going forward. I don't know why we haven't really seen anything of Mara Mielder this season because every time I've seen her, I think she's looked great and she seems to be playing fairly well for Norway. So that's also a play. Like, I, I feel like we need to see Emma use the squad. I think yesterday was calling out for Jess Carter on the left. We never, we never saw it. And I don't, again, I don't think that Jess Carter's done anything wrong this year. Like when played, maybe a little rusty. Yeah. Because she's probably had the least minutes in the, in the whole team, her and Marin, right. But Neve needs to be sat down for a little bit after the last couple of performances, not been good enough. And I like Neve and I think Neve's vastly improved this year, but Jess Carter's waiting right there is a really good one-on-one defender. And we've seen her quality shine through in the, in the last couple of seasons, even surprising us, dare I say. Um, why not, right? Buck around with a midfield three to get some of the passing lanes freed up. I mean, I think if, I am, if I'm looking at the biggest problem that we have to solve, it is advancing the ball through the midfield and not relying on Sam Kerr to make the perfect run for an over-the-top ball. Like, And it's weird to say that because we have rarely struggled with passing moves over the last five years. Um, we used to have someone uh, named Ji Soo Young, who turns out was quite good at finding little pockets of space and advancing the ball. Uh, and, you know, maybe that is the missing link is that we don't have that sort of creative visionary type of, of player in midfield right now due to injury or, or just lacking that one person. But the, that is the main problem. I think that will either make or break Chelsea season. Can you figure out multiple ways to attack rather than just down the flank or over the top. Yeah. Yeah. And can you make sure you're ready to have those different ways of attacking go if stuff doesn't go your way? You know, it's, it is kind of crazy. The idea that when we were watching Lauren James be marked that even within this short space of time, Chelsea's main attacking plan had become get Lauren James to dribble the length of the pitch with the ball. That's never like that's the kind of thing I'd expect if Lauren James played for frigging Leicester to be their idea, you know, not Chelsea. She it's an asset. It's not. It shouldn't be your only plan. Definitely not. And and it also is like painfully obvious that you are lacking ideas everywhere else, right? Um, so it's in those moments that I want to see Grove right and get on the ball and start to take attention away from Lauren James. It's in those moments where I want to see if Shankovic, hopefully a Kirby at some point, or even a, a Pernilla Harder, take attention away. I mean, we, we were talking about the mismatches. Like, Lauren had an off day yesterday, right? Fine. Happens, right? And I think she was naive and tried to play hero ball a lot. What are you going to do when she's not at her best? You have to get other people involved. And it was where I was looking for Cuthbert to step up and Leupel to step up and someone else to provide her an outlet so that she could get a little bit of space and just never really happened. So, uh, yeah, all of these things are problems. And again, these are not necessarily going to be problems for us to solve against Brighton, but what a great match to trot out some new ideas. I mean, I, I, I genuinely think you have to use every match from now until you play, you know, United. So you play in the Champions League again, like, you have to trot out some new stuff and get it worked in and training. Yeah, 
and the game against Brighton and the, the FA Cup quarterfinal against Reading look look like perfect games for that. So hopefully we'll see some some different things. But I think that wraps up our our therapy session, Nick. Um, is it good to go and do therapy about how shit the women's team are instead of doing the men's team? Has that been a nice switcheroo for you? <laughs> yeah, I just I wish we were doing it live in a pub again. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't. I didn't bring my recording equipment and I fucked it up yesterday. So to everyone listening, it sounds like I'm in a tin can and and all that sort of stuff. It's because I. I just did not bring my lab mic yesterday, so um, we're doing this over Zoom, unfortunately. But I have got to see your lovely face a couple of times while while we've been in town, and it's been great. And uh, just wish we could do it every week. Yeah, it's been um, it's been great having you over here, and hopefully next time we, we see each other at a women's game, it won't be as bad as this one was. Um, but there's plenty of uh, opportunities as we talked about for Chelsea to kind of get their act back together um we'll be we'll be chatting through the brighton game after after it's played on on wednesday night um hopefully might fit a little man united preview in as well before that game on sunday then rolling through reading leon city and leon again to take us up to the end of march it's a totally crazy schedule um but we'll be here all the way through hopefully with some episodes which are a bit more of a celebratory mood but uh until then chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high